FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 335 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snick. Snicked. And uh, it's a flash. Oh yeah, no, a, a, a snick with your mouthful is uh, is okay. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I have the Scalabros on, but don't, don't adjust your dial, it's not a normal episode. Um, I got these guys on for a flashback episode. We're going to talk about Extinction Agenda. So, of course, I'm your host, Jason Cardboard Cutout Venable. And I'm joined by the Excalibros, Dan, paid by the word Cole, and Georgie, <laughs> and Georgie Naked Teleport Party V. How's it going, guys? Good. <laughs> Yes, we are going to talk about Extinction Agenda and, you know, a couple of notable things, right? Um, obviously, 90s mayhem. And kind of, for me, and we can talk about you guys, when you guys talk about this, but for me, it's kind of the kickoff of, like, I know it's the summer of 90 going into the fall of 90, but this kind of feels like the in-earnest kind of watershed mark of, like, 90s X-Men. Yeah, definitely. I, but yeah, no, uh, it's really like kind of the first big crossover, bringing everybody together, your big creators. So it's kind of kind of 90s to the max. Um, you know, that was really interesting. Um, also, kind of wraps up kind of Claremont's uh, dispersion of all the X-Men, <laughs> right. you know, uh, which has been going on since, you know, the end of the Outback story. Um, so which, of course, includes bringing Wolverine back to the team and all that. And I kind of didn't even really notice until Georgie tweeted about it. But um, now I had the Excalibros on, and they're the only X book not involved <laughs> in the crossover. Thank so, God. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Excalibur is notably missing. I guess Claremont couldn't do do that much. But um, yeah, it, it was it's pretty interesting. Um. So, Jason, before we really get into Extinction Agenda, I just wanted to uh, bring up, I was looking at the Wikipedia page because uh, I was checking out some some Cameron Hodge info and, uh, you know, take this with a grain of salt because it's Wikipedia, but it said this was the first time, like, all of these characters had been together and the first really big X-Men event um, and that it, the sales were, like, crazy good and that's why they kept doing events all through the 90s because of, of what we're about to cover. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, the caveat or asterisk to that would be, like, Inferno, right? Um, mm-hmm. But that really, as much as it was an X-Men-based event, I think because it went and figured out into every aspect of Marvel Universe, it didn't quite have the same effect, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but no, this is the first like, kind of X-centric in your face, uh, X dash over, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and I think it did sell very, very well. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a thing to, to reckon with in 1990 that 
like I said earlier, it kind of sets the tone for what 90s X-Men is going to be. Because um, you can even see, like, kind of the, the the seeds planted for the shift to, like, X-Force and, and all mm-hmm. of that, I think, is all all in here. So it's kind of laying the foundation for, like, what you think of for, like, classic 90s X-Men kind of all starts here, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess with that said, we should probably just go ahead and get into it. Um, so because there's three of us and there's three books, um, we decided. All right, I guess I guess we decided. <laughs> we decided, or I suggested, and y'all didn't didn't revolt. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm gonna do like a title a piece and kind of take that approach. So um, I'm gonna do Uncanny X Men. Uh, we have Dan on New Mutants and Georgie on X Factor. And those are the three titles that are involved in this nine-part epic. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to start off with Uncanny X-Men 270, which is First Strike. And I think is also called, yeah, called First Strike. <laughs> and it is um, written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Jim Lee, each by Art T. Bear and Scott Williams. And then I guess there's a bunch of letters because they're called Task Force X. <laughs> and then the colorist is Glennis Oliver. And our cover is by Jim Lee and Scott Williams. And it's a pretty awesome cover, or at least I like it a lot, of Havoc and his magistrate uniform uh, blasting the sky. And he's got Boom Boom and someone else. And oh, I guess that's Warlock below him. And he's grabbing Storm by Not the Boob. And then there's like Genosian mechanical weapons behind him, and everything's kind of in purple. But uh, what I, I like this cover a lot. What do you guys think about it? It's it's kind of right. So this is a cla- this feels like a classic X Men cover, right down to the point where the energy's blowing the title slightly yeah. out, out of whack. And ironically, I feel like this is the first time we ever see this kind of cover. So like now, like how many years like 20 some years later it just feels like oh this is like a classic cover i imagine at the time is like holy shit this is like the best thing i've ever seen why is, ha- <laughs> why is havoc doing this uh, all right um but to be fair i'll be honest with you i probably didn't know who alex summers was in 1990 um it wouldn't, so... it wouldn't have taken me a minute yeah Uh-oh. definitely the way that alex is drawn in the X Factor issues, you would never recognize him. Oh, oh I, you can say that about Well, anyway, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so in this one, Genosha declares a war on mutant terror. Little Storm and Jean Grey spar in the danger ring while Forge, Banshee, and Stevie Hunter argue about Storm's powers and current physical state. Cable doesn't share well because he missed kindergarten because he was off an apocalypse teacher. Um, and so the, he doesn't like sharing the danger room or the mansion. So he kicks the door in. And nobody likes each other, but they all reluctantly agree that they have to share the mansion. Sidebar, Lila Cheney returns from space with a warning about Professor X. That will not come up again for a few issues. Um, <laughs> Storm and Jean catch up. Wolfsbane gets mad at Storm, and Storm questions her own decisions. 
But all this delicious melodrama is interrupted by an attack from a Genosian strike force. Storm and the New Mutants try to fight them off. We get captured and sent back to Genosia by pipeline. Oh, also, Havoc is one of the magistrates. And then Cable, arriving just too late, swears revenge. How's that for a summary of, of a comic that probably took half an hour to read? I'm amazed, honestly. <laughs> that, was, that was beautiful. <laughs> when, you said, when you said Storm and Gene Spa, I was like, yeah, for 50 pages. Right. Um, <laughs> one, can I can I can I say my favorite thing about the whole book and the whole event? And this is a really small, stupid thing, is that in the Jim Lee issues, at, at the first page on the top and bottom, we have a roster call. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Calling them at their sexiest best, and they are my favorite things. <laughs> yes. What is it? they don't say persona and grata. What do they say? Um, Dramatis persona. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I wish they were in comics now, in every comic now. Just didn't need this. <laughs> oh, yeah, always by Jim Lee. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Keep that guy busy. So, if y'all have something before this, uh, definitely bring it up. But I, I thought it was really interesting. I know that like her brain is regular brain, but are they really like seriously? considering and debating whether Storm and a kid body should remain team leader? That seems like a weird... It seems like it'd just be like, well, duh, she's not going to fight. <laughs> but I don't know. It's, it was a weird thing to, to put a kid's body out as as leader of the X-Men. What do you guys be, think of that? To be fair, um, she changes her age um, while she's in her child body so often visually yes. in these pages. Yeah, <laughs> it might be confusing to other people. Part of it is Jim Lee just sexualizes everyone to hell. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't he hasn't fully embraced that yet, but it's pretty close. <laughs> um, I think it's just it's an interesting way to start, like sort of new issue. Uh, um, but Storm's kind of like the through line. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of makes sense by the end of it. I don't get. I love how angry everyone is. And after after seeing what's happened to Spain, it's nice to see that she has some personality. So yeah, she. I thought she was pretty great in this story. But, um, yeah, she should. She shouldn't fight. She's a child, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd forgotten sure that Storm had even been like de-aged. I'd totally forgotten about that part of the X-Men history. Yeah, yeah, it, almost like a good year that she was a a kid and then got saved by Gambit and that whole thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there's that whole interesting part with, I really like her and Jean talking. I know it's a lot, but I feel like it just feels really natural. It's good to see both of them have dialogue. Um you know, Cable. I love that Cable is fully armed coming to the danger room as well. Like he's got like the big gun with a big ammo clip, and that his the, his soles have a big M for mutant on them. Like his his uh <laughs> off off brand Doc Martens have like right. almost almost looks like the Magneto logo on his shoe. Um, <laughs> Can I just say my favorite part about the whole series is that Cable puts off this like aura of being the man and having all these guns and weapons, 
but he continuously gets owned in like every fight. He's like <laughs> ineffective the whole way through. Um, I will give I will give props to uh, Jim Lee because if no one else knew Richter was gay, Jim Lee did after drawing him the way he draws him. Um, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. that costume is is not a straight man's costume. <laughs> it reminds me actually of the the green kid from Voltron a little bit. Um, yes. With the design. <laughs> Pidge? Yes, yes, I cannot remember his name. Yeah, that's that, Pidge. Yeah, he yeah. looks like Pidge. That's my favorite thing ever. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, you're welcome. Of course, you have Strong Guy with the the most Jersey accent that Chris Claremont can write. Forget about it. Um, well, he yeah. certainly can't write a Scottish accent, so let's get him. <laughs> Right. One right, right. So, yeah. like, I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm bagging, bagging on it, but um, there's gonna be a theme with mine, and I think I prefer the Uncanny X Men issues more than all the others. I do um, too. Mostly, yeah. Mostly because the art is peak. Like, it is X Men. It is nineties X Men to me. This is like, yeah, pure, pure yeah. like the pure aesthetic. It looks amazing. It's colored by Glennis Oliver, which obviously, if you've been listening to Scarborough's, you all know I love her. When she uh, yeah, yeah, me too. and yes. I think she does a beautiful job here. And Claremont's not too bad. Oh, um, really? I didn't think no. so either. It's, it's, it's a lot of words. <laughs> yes. um, and we don't get a break going to the Simonson books. There's almost as many words. There's so many words in these nine issues that my eyes kind of hurt, even spreading it out over three days. But um, I feel like it's. I don't know. Maybe it's a nostalgia thing, but it felt it didn't feel bad to me. Um, I feel like it felt like a first a first issue, a first issue of a series that's just relaunched, and that he needed to get everyone up to the same speed yeah. emotionally and narratively. Yeah, and then um, I feel like it was more. I this issue, I'm more lenient because it's more about the melodrama, and he just right. can't stop writing when yeah he's talking about emotion. <laughs> um, and it, I also like really yeah, yeah, but he also takes a dig at himself when um, oh, what character is it on page fifteen, which may not be the same page as y'all have in Unlimited, but um, someone actually says something about getting paid by the word, and I thought, oh wow, like he's very self-aware of <laughs> what's going on. Here. <laughs> uh, also talks about Gene uh, saying what what a good kisser Wolverine, the best there is. Oh yeah, that was hilarious. Even though she's with Scott at the time, um, but and that love triangle will will come back in this story. So I guess we'll talk about that more. I think more I later. have the pleasure of bringing that up a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, you know, you know, talking about all the words, but I really did enjoy the dialogue, like between Wolfsbane and Storm, and then even Storm, you know, when she talks back to Stevie Hunter, and just. I don't know. It is a lot, but it feels like the characters, so I have a lot more grace with it, I guess, because it at least seems to be going somewhere. Um, it's anyway. weird. It's weird, right? Because if you read a novel, you're not like, oh my god, all these words. But suddenly you put the words on pictures and suddenly it's like, oh, this is a heavy burden. Please, someone <laughs> take this off my shoulders. And that's that's how I felt with the Claremont issues. And maybe I'm misremembering the um, Simonson uh, wording. 
but it just felt like every uncanny issue was so burdensome with the words. It was like a, a weight off my shoulders when this was finished. Um, as, as far as the artwork goes, I mean, the, the, the nostalgia, you can't deny it for at least people of our age. Um, it just brings back so many memories. Not that maybe I don't have a, a, as as I'm not as high on the art as you guys are. Um, I, I do like the coloring. I think the coloring is probably the highlight. And, you know, reviewing these books, uh, you know, I read it once and then reviewed again. This is probably the better artwork in, like, The Uncanny has the better artwork out of all three series. But I wouldn't say it was great. It still feels, I don't know, it just feels kind of dated. It is date. It is dated. But it, I feel like it's more, um, like, if we saw this artwork now, which we do, if Jim Lee ever actually picks up a pencil. Um, I feel like we would be heavily critical if, like, he released a new Batman book and we're like, oh, look, his style hasn't changed. But I feel like if you put it in historical context and the context of the story, you kind of, like, Jim Lee kind of matches the words. Like, his, it's so over the top. Like, stylistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matches the utter wall of, of letters that is assaults you on every page. So I think um, it balances the book out for me quite a lot. As opposed to, say... Well, we'll get to X Factor, but as opposed to right, X Factor, right? <laughs> well, you know, Dan, you and I cover um, a Gen uh, Generation X and Excalibur, Excalibur, and where we are at, the, at our point in our reading for, for those books, the you know that's only a couple of years past this, and the artwork blows this away like by miles. Uh, actually, Excalibur is a little before this, which I mean, oh, we can't really compare. I think I think it's I think. Um, that isn't fair. Well, it's not fair to Jim. I think that, um, yes, uh, Alan Davis and uh, <laughs> Akilo are better artists. That's Personally, that's fair. But I feel like, as we're doing it this series, I feel like it's the, definitely the best, best start of the nine issues. Yes. Um, oh, my and I feel like, um, as a creator, this is, a, this is where the, um, the synthesize, that sort of magic is starting to happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When you finally get it, and I think it's actually better than X Men, um, like the words and and because oh god, I don't know if you've read X Men One recently. It may have sold a bucket load, but it has like speeches galore, uh, which really hide a lot of Jim Lee's artwork. And I feel like here it's it's there's more of a, a merging of both both. So I feel like it's positive. I um, I. I don't, you know, it's funny, the the dichotomy, maybe. I feel like, because I still really like classic Jim Lee art. Like, just un, unapologetically, I just enjoy it. Whereas I don't really love his modern art as much. And I was trying to think of the difference t- to me. And I don't want to say anything about his process or what he does, because I don't know. But I feel like, to me... This old stuff has all the style, but a lot more discipline and tightness in the art. Whereas now he has he's just style with not much substance. Like he's just kind of almost like he's caricaturing himself. And I don't that's a terrible thing to say, and I don't have any idea what kind of effort or thought he puts into his current art. But it feels to me like a caricature, whether this feels very sincere, a guy kind of at the top of his game just drawn the hell out of the page the best way he knows how. And I don't know. I, 
I for one still really enjoy it. I really like I was looking right now at the the it's not quite a true double page spread, but at the half top of it is a double page spread of like all the denotion like hardware. And I think there's some just some really cool design elements there. Maybe it's just because it reminds me of G.I. Joe, <laughs> you know? And and <laughs> I I have a soft spot for that. But I don't know. I just I I really enjoyed this issue. I probably we're probably about to find out um, considerably more than y'all, maybe. But um, but no, I, I had a lot of fun with it. So I thought that I really liked the the intriguing part of the story as well. Uh, the political intrigue, um, I guess the geopolitical aspect of it. I found it really interesting. So, so what do you guys want to give part one? I'm good, Fall. I'm going to predict. George, are you giving it a three? I was, but you know, judging <laughs> it against everything else, maybe I'll, I'll give it a four. I, I'm somewhere in the middle there. It, like, I didn't okay. hate it. And I, even though I don't, I don't think it's bad art, it's just we've, we've seen better. Right, right. And it's very apparently not your thing, and that's cool. Um, I'm actually... <sighs> I went between a five and maybe even a six on this. I really loved it. Um, oh, what the hell? I'll go six out of six claws. Why not? Why not? It's my podcast. I can cry if I want to. <laughs> we cry after we read all these. Oh my gosh! Yes, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want. I want to be very clear. I'm not necessarily. I think I'm going to actually probably agree with most of the criticisms that we'll probably all share in common and just didn't, it didn't affect my enjoyment as much maybe. Um, okay. is it, but anyway, so let's move on to chapter two, which is the new mutants number 95 first blood. So Dan, you are up. Oh, um, yes. Talking about crying. Um, so- <laughs> This this chapter is called Shell Game by uh, written by Louis Simonson, um, art by Rob Liefeld and Co. That's ominous. Um, inked by Joe Rubenstein and Co. As well. Co. Is doing a lot of heavy lifting in this issue. Yeah. They are. <laughs> um, letter by Joe Rosen. Uh, Close is Brad. I've never Brad Vakana is. Didn't he do X Factor? Um, for ages. I it don't remember. Like- but anyway, maybe a little bit. Yes. So our front cover has talking constantly talking about crying. We have a crying um, wolf Spain holding a smoking warlock. Um, that sounds like a that sounds like a drug. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we have the we have anime um, streaks in the background to show motion or something and vibrations. I am not a fan of this cover. <laughs> No, I I don't want to bag on Liefeld, and I won't the whole episode, but I do not like this one. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is not a, I do, you know, you could look at this artwork one way and get something like really sexual out of this. Oh, 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 wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do like the coloring on uh, Warlock, just like the crazy gold and black. Um, Maybe that's more nostalgia than anything, but otherwise I can do without. Well, anyway. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Picking off with the last one uh, left, we have our 
captives teleported to Genosha to um, Hodge's Cameron Hodge, who is now some sort of weird uh, octopus robot thing insect with a head who screams a lot and totally shifted, shifts colour throughout the series mm-hmm. and facial features. And um, he's teleported them all naked, which Boom Boom quite happily talks about, which is such a weird moment in time. Um, they try to escape with Storm jumping into the air and Wolfsbane uh, attacking, but uh, it's Hodge's, de- I don't even know what to call it, death body machine, um, sort of subdues them. And then we move back to uh, our plucky um, Cable and Co. I can use Co now because, you know, Liefeld does it. <laughs> uh, I will from, from now. So Cable and Co are uh, talking. Uh, Cannibal's like, what? hey, what's up? And then was like, oh, they literally just recount what just happened. Um, Gambit decides to join because Storm. Um, everyone, then we go back to Genosha where everyone is just in prison now, all wearing uh, Power Rangers uniforms. <laughs> and Warlock is really not happy about things. Hodge wants Warlock because I, I don't understand. Right, that, right. So Warlock's like a vampire? Like, like he's like a sort of like a cyborg vampire. He sucks energy to stay alive, human energy or just life force energy to stay alive. Or is that just a thing when he's weak? Like, I, I don't, because I'm not a massive. I don't like Warlock. Yeah. So, I don't wow. Um, I've never really cared for him. I'm sorry. I always like the design for for Warlock. I mean, he's he does look great in in these issues. But, um, you know, in another artist's hands, like, for example, the X-Factor issues from, like, 2011 or 12, uh, where he had, like, a thing with um, Danger Room. Uh, yeah. He was drawn, like, brilliantly there. Like, he can look amazing. He was, but... he was good in that series, to be fair. Uh, but that's yeah. Peter David. Peak, peak Warlock is Bill Sienkiewicz. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I, just, I, I, I do like the design, been. but... I don't know anyway, much about him either. So no, anyway, um, he, he can. I don't think he needs to answer your question. Life force to survive, but he can use it to kind of recharge. Makes sense. So Hodge comes, being all arch villain, super villain, speechifying about whatever he wants to do, smashes them about a bit, and leaves with Warlock because he's going to go make himself immortal. And then um, we meet the worst named person. Ever to exist in a comic, Gina, <laughs> Gina, I can't even. Gene Engineer, yeah. It's, it's just <laughs> terrible. It almost sounds like you're having problems saying Ginger. Yes. Right. <laughs> and um, he's talking to, I believe that's his son, um, which will come back to haunt us all later. And um, I love how everyone's terrified of Hodge, but they've just allowed him to run their country. Like, like no one's like, like really. Should we let this head um, run this run our country? So um, they all talk about what they're going to do, uh, um, Warlock, and what while they're arguing about um, loyalties, Warlock decides to sort of shrink down a little bit and slink away to try and help his friends. Um, in the in the prison, Storm. It's revealed that Storm had a plan. This was a plan. Oh, this is a this is a constant thing in this, this series. Yes. There was always a plan. 
when the writer decided there was a plan to write them out of the court. <laughs> the uh, plan is always to get captured and then for someone else to bail them out. <laughs> pretty much. Dom's like, yeah, this is this is my plan. Um, and Wallop comes in to bail them out. You know, the plan's working so far. And um, he uses his Wallop powers to drain the electricity from the, the bars and therefore the doors open. Um, and they run off and escape. And then we're back... Like- they're like, yeah, thanks, Warlock. See you later, bye. And they just yeah, leave him. Yeah, sorry, they do leave. But Warlock does say he is basically really heavy now that he can't move. And he wants to look around lots of metal. So and it's not as if Richter's going to do it. He he just, he just sprints off. Like, yeah. um, he's <laughs> the first one gone. But anyway, we're back at uh, X-Mansion and um, a really hideous cannonball. And, um, well, everyone... Have a conversation because it's back to turn up, and um, they're basically just like, "What should we do now?" Blah blah. That's all that they do for like this entire issue. Then we jump back to um, a moment between Richter and uh, Wolfsbane, and they sort of kiss. And Wolfsbane's like, "Oh, I love him." Little does she know. But anyway, sorry. And bless Wolfsbane. She goes back to save Warlock and tries to fight her way to her friend but she has no powers because i forgot to mention they have a random mutant that only turns up once in a blue moon that has wow, a wipe out yeah, yes power to stop their powers permanently which i believe is a mutant that should probably have been in the comics loads yes or just <laughs> dealt with dealt with by magneto i don't know <laughs> so hodge yeah. is like you can't stop this and poor um warlock is getting whatever was happening to him but she managed to unplug it it's not really clear she did something she fiddled it, fiddled with it and it stopped the process and Hodge is like I'm no longer a mall it's all your fault and then we move on to um, Rain saying about like I'm here now I'm gonna like sort of help at, in Genosha because of the crimes that the X-Men have committed uh, Jean's like oh, crap we're gonna have to go save him pretty much what B says as well they're both like shit let's just go and that is New Mutants which doesn't have many new mutants in. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, Maya Culpa, I, I had forgotten it, that uh, Simonson wrote the new mutants issues as well, because, yeah, these are wordy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think in my note I wrote, I know it's not as many words as Claremont, but it felt twice as long, which I'm not going to agree with that sentiment in the X-Factor issues. I, I think it's weird. I feel like she wrote the X Factor issues better, right? Than she did the New Mutant ones, um, and that kind of maybe goes to some behind the scenes stuff. I don't know how much Liefeld has started bending the editor's ear because you know he wants to write. Mm-hmm. I know that they kind of had a tense relationship when they were working together, so that could have something to do with why these issues aren't as well written. Now, and I also say I'm not a Liefeld hater necessarily, but he and Rubenstein paired up are especially terrible. Like the art in this book sucks. Yeah. Right. So I just defended <laughs> Jim Lee for being like um, a snapshot of time, and we can't talk about Lee without talking about Liefeld. Right. Um, I know there's a lot of people that love his work. Ugh, Major X exists, for example. Right. Um, but 
I have never, never understood the the appeal. And it's nothing to do with like that Captain America America picture right. or like, <laughs> the fact that he can't draw feet. It's because I feel like this oh, sounds horrible. I feel like he cuts corners. He's kind of lazy in the yes, detail. Yes, yes. And um but then he like heavily sort of lines the faces. Or look at the front cover where near um Rain's breast and her armpit is so heavily uh-huh. lined. It looks it's like a like, sphincter. It's like it's too tight. Yeah. Yeah, it looks yeah. like an arsehole, basically. And <laughs> it does. And that's and that no, but that that's kind of what happens. It's like this really fast and loose with some things. Then you'll get like a really weirdly over detailed cannonball face, which makes him look like he's just been hit by a brick. And I don't know. I just, I don't think he's a very good visual storyteller either. Like he's very uh, functionary. He, he does the job of, of telling what needs to be done on the page. But until he became the writer, he's, he, he sort of limits the flair of it. Um, and uh, they are, the, I accidentally picked the worst issues. There you go. I said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and just kind of, for context and for kind of giving some a little bit of meaning to what what I had to say about his art, generally speaking, for his '90s stuff, there's some of it I like because I I like the energy of it. I again, the situation I'm not going to disagree with anything you said because I think it's all definitely valid. I think he does definitely kind of take shortcuts and stuff like that. Um, I feel like sometimes it works and gives you like this nice just energetic kind of pop of art and then sometimes it just falls flat and is almost impossible to read and i feel like this is a case of the latter for this issue i just there's not much redeeming about the art in these pages i think he's really into costumes and accessories and guns and like taking things to the the biggest level but his his people just lack details, like Dan said. There's sort of just blurs of what we know they're supposed to look like. It's uh, in this issue. Um, I, I do I do think I do have maybe a little bit of nostalgia for his, his X Force stuff, um, but I, I'm afraid if I were to look at that, I'd have the same the same problems. But there was a a time when young boys were like, "Yeah, big guns, cool costumes. This is amazing," because at ten. You're not really that discerning, and you're just like, right. yeah, it looks cool. So that does stick with you a little bit, but this this issue is rough. Yeah, like, if if you if you look at X Force One and the first five issues of X Force are actually really lovely to look at. Like the, he's got the right colorer, he's got the right inker, and they are really hyper, like energetic and dynamic. And I'm like, he clearly gets to that point um, in his career. Uh, but here it, it feels like almost like a, someone aping his his style as opposed to his style. Like it feels right. like someone just pop, uh, nah. Well, he's, he's, gr- think, he's growing as an artist. I think I think some of it is the Anko. And I think some of it right. is, is the inkers just not either not knowing what to do with this stuff or trying to make it look the way they think it should look as opposed to how we drew it. Because um, I there's also, as as much as I complain about it, not much of this art is all that even reminiscent of his of his art. <laughs> I mean, uh, it kind of, like Danny mentioned, it looked like someone copying it. It kind of, it looks like either he was like, 
drunk or on coke or or something like you know what I mean? Like it doesn't really look like. Well, this him, is him early on. Maybe anyway. he just can't he can't ah. fulfill the uh, the the needs. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's yeah. still too amateur to like carry a book. Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe the schedule killed him. Or maybe he's already, already working on. Maybe he's already drawing those X Force pages, and that's why they're so good. <laughs> it's also this issue starts the question of who draws Archangel's wings worst. Um, why? Because there are some amazing. I don't think people understand how wings work, even if they are made of metal. Like, <laughs> it remind me of like old school cartoons where the character is supposed to fly with wings, like He Man, but they just sort of move across the sky. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. Very Hannah Barbera. Yeah. Okay. When, when do we want to give this book? Um, I think it's quite weak. Like, I, we didn't talk about the story or the dialogue, and I generally think, um, much like you said, there's a lot of dialogue there, and I think it's quite a lot. A lot of it's redundant. <laughs> I say that in the same breath, reviewing a Claremont issue. <laughs> but um, I feel like it's quite redundant, and it's a completely different writer to what we're about to read. Um, so I'm going to give it two. Yeah, I'm right there with the two. I was really surprised this was Simonson, like I said, because I focused on the X Factor issues and I was like, hey, this isn't overwritten. This isn't, you know, the writing's not so bad with these. I was quite surprised to find out she, maybe she's, like you mentioned, Jason, she's uh, intentionally sabotaging Liefeld or something here. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, or just, I'll, or, I'll go with or maybe not well. writing by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with y'all. Um, two out of six for me on this was. This is my least favorite issue of the nine. I'll just I'll leave it at that. Um, cool. Well, so part three is X Factor number sixty, which Georgie, you got that one, brother v brother. Yep. Uh, on the cover, we've got Havoc with his shirt torn off, fighting Cyclops with his shirt torn off, and lots of plasma beams and Havoc circles. And in the bottom, it says, "In the land of Genosha, brother battles brother." And uh, I don't know, out of, out of the three covers we've seen so far, this is definitely in the middle. I do like uh, some of the, the uh, light effects, even though like the coloring isn't great. It's, it's pretty bland, to be honest. But that right. sort of design element is nice. But as I mentioned, you would not know this was Havoc unless someone told you this was Havoc. It just looks like this could be He-Man. You would have no idea. It's just it like is He-Man. It's, yeah. it's a blonde <laughs> muscle guy fighting... A brown-haired muscled guy who's shooting lasers. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> worth, worth mentioning, this is John Bogdanov, if I said that right. J-Bog, though, I'd refer to him. <laughs> I I will go on to quite enjoy some of his DC work. Much Most of his Marvel stuff doesn't work for me. Um, I think he, he's one of those guys that'll he'll tighten up what he does a little bit later in his career. Um... I also found it interesting that both of these covers that he does, this one is 61. I just want to bring this up here. They're both not quite duplicate images from the inside. Um, just barely a hair different on both of those covers mm-hmm. from panels we see inside. Um, but yeah, everybody's super kind of almost Neanderthalish, but but there is a tension there, Georgie, because I agree that there's, some cool design elements. I think in my notes I wrote, I kind of love this cover and I kind of hate it all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> Some more dynamic coloring and better uh, bodies on here would make this so much so much nicer. Right. Dan? Um, let's move on. Uh, yeah. All right. Wow. All right. So, what, do you, what do you think of Cyclops' calves, Dan? When you... He he works out. Um, a lot. <laughs> he, ri- he rides a bike. What? He rides a power. No, he never skips leg day. Never. <laughs> never skips leg day. If we aren't if we aren't covering a specific event, that would be the name of this episode. <laughs> Remember when he used to be called Slim? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so uh, All right. this issue opens up with the Madam President of Genosha walking into Hodge's office, and for a second I thought there was like a continuity error because there's Hodge with like all his wires. Um, they do, I think, all the issues moving forward retcon the design so he has all these wires going into his head. Um, but yeah. he's got like a suit in front of him, um, which is maybe my favorite visual bit of the whole issue because. <laughs> yes. You page yes. forward, and it's just like a cut cardboard cutout that's like hanging around his neck to try and make people <laughs> feel less awkward around him. Right, and trying to disarm people with it. It's it's it's, it's brilliant. I love yeah. it. Yeah, it felt kind of like very Excalibur to me, like something I could see happening in in an issue of Excalibur. Um, so that was hilarious. Uh, he and the Madam President get into like an argument, and that's basically all the two of them do throughout this whole series. Uh, the gene engineer comes in, and then all three of them are in an argument, and they agree they have shared interests. But then Hodge says, uh, "We both know that we're secret adversaries. Uh, she's the best of adversaries." It was. I'm sort of mocking it as I'm reading it, but I, I felt like this was fairly well written. Um, looking at the pages, there are more dialogue than I remember, but I don't feel like it's overshadowing anything that's going on on the page not that people we're really just, people just like to think um, yeah in the lots of thinking and that might be better at actually reading these words than looking at the bland artwork to be honest uh-huh um but cameron hodge is like all right these are all the x-men i'm gonna bait them to come in and then i'm gonna get my revenge on archangel because he's the one that decapitated hodge um and before that before he was decapitated he had made a deal with a demon so he could never die <laughs> I just forget how ridiculous. I literally just read it today, and I just kept. When you say it out comment. loud, yeah. When you say it out loud. Yep. <laughs> uh, we cut to Manhattan, and some newsroom was like, "I can't believe what's going on. Look what's happening." Um, and they do nothing. And then we cut to uh, a big page spread, a double page spread, basically of. Uh, all the X characters on their way to Genosha. And is this an Archangel panel you wanted to talk about, Dan? This is an Archangel panel where he should be falling to his death, not flying or swooping. <laughs> um, those wings are not moving or in any way shape wings. <laughs> They're just so, attached to his back. <laughs> you want to hear something odd? I kind of liked it. <laughs> it's, he looks like a kite. He looks like he's got yes. a swoosh behind him. I was like, no, wings don't operate that way. It annoys me. And, and size-wise, <laughs> he's like just as big as a plane, so I kind of envisioned like little people inside of him flying him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do like the ink work of this issue, by the way. Um, I really like it. It has yeah, dramatic, uh, dramatic... Al Milgram uh, does the inks on this one and, cl- and cleans it up a little bit. Yeah, sorry, I, I skipped over the... Uh... 
creative, so I was just so eager to get yeah, in. Yeah, no problem. No but problem. Uh, I'll do that right now. The writers, Louis Simonson, penciler, John Bogdanovi, Bogdanov, I, I'm not sure. Inker is Alan Milgram, so that's obviously why you like the inking, Dan. Uh, letter is Joe Rosen, colorist, Glennis Oliver, editor, Bob Harris. Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, as they're flying on over to Genosho, we've got Cable being all grumpy and they're deciding <laughs> what plan they're going to do. And, and Bobby decides to open a Coke, but he kind of freezes it right beforehand. Um, and he's got a nice little mullet going on. Yeah, he does. So, I've got two, two things to bring up here. One is throughout each series, the costume shifts so much. Yeah. Um, and I find like someone's style, but it'll be like a completely different costume or completely different hair, you know, going on. I just wish there was a little bit more of, of like synergy that way. Um, but my question is uh, throughout all of this, we had cable referring to Cyclops as Cyclops and Cyclops referring to cable as cable. Do mm-hmm. is it, this is before they've gone into the future and raised him. Right. And they know he's, he's Nathan. Well, so, in retcon, Cable would have to know who they are. Right. But they wouldn't know who he is. Creatively and timeline, that's not even been conceived yet. Um, at this point in Cable's history, well, I tell you that, but it may have been started to kind of plot it out. But when Cable was first introduced, he was just Billy Badass, Bruce Willis with mutant powers. I mean... Right. Um, in fact, in the New Mutant issues right before this, there is when Cable and Wolverine meet for the first time, and they allude to, like, past military history, which would insinuate that the original <laughs> thought was that Cable was always in our timeline. He's just right. an old mercenary, um, you know, with with a mysterious past. You know, obviously that all gets changed. Um, but no, even... Whether that's been thought of yet or not, at this point, Scott and Gene have not realized that this is their baby son all grown up. Cool. So, um, thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, I, no I problem. So, but I wanted to double check. I also want to point out, just as is like an example of the problems with this artwork, uh, Cable is like leaning forward in this page, and his muscles and and arms are like oddly, like gorged and the but then his form is really short we've got all these sort of like body dysmorphia things happening in these in, in the uh the x-factor issues that really just look kind of gross well the page before that one um just look at sam's face cannibal face. I, I would rather you not um <laughs> i like the one better with the close-up of him and sunspot when they're like i don't know mannequins maybe or that one where, where Cannonball is smiling and he looks like an ostrich or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, one thing I will point out about this is um, it's also colored by Gwyneth Oliver. And right. the, the three things that we've read recently um, are all colored completely to the tailored to the style of the artist, which I think is quite an interesting because it's very like block colors, which goes yes, with the very flat artwork, mm-hmm. um, which is totally different to Lee's. The work she's doing in Uncanny. Also, can I don't at first I thought the sort of thought behind the panel layout, the panel layouts, um, the the borders on the panels with the really thick black lines was to show close-ups or specific actions, but they are just littered. 
I don't think there's a rhyme <laughs> or reason to them at all. So going through going, oh, there is nothing. There's no reason. They're, they're just some panels have thin borders, some have massive ones. Just because so, it's cool. Because it's there. So, <laughs> yeah, basically. So the, the team arrives um, at a military base in the States, and we get to meet Dr. Valerie Cooper, who will be a staple on X-Factor for a good while. Um, and they sort of argue with the X-Men about what they're going to do. Uh, we cut to uh, the X-Mansion, and then we've got um, Sunspot and Cannonball and Banshee loading up a plane, and Cannonball starts crying, and there's all this, like, the Neat Mutants are really angsty, but also kind of justifiably so, because the X-Men always come back from the dead, but the New Mutants don't. <laughs> and he can't, he just doesn't understand why, and it's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, um, then, you forgot to um, say Val Cooper's complete identity, like they all do every time they mention it name. Oh. <laughs> they, Dr. They Valerie Cooper, out. presidential assistant for Mutant Affairs. Yeah. Every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like there's someone else in the room that hasn't heard it yet. Every time they say it. Then we see that Sunspot's dad is on TV talking about how he's bad for being a mutant and a bad kid and hope he gets disciplined in Genosha, which was <laughs> really odd. Um, uh, so there's those sort of like, it's another reason for those new mutants to be upset because they're, they're, the whole life is just pain here. Um, and then cut back to the X-Men and Cable. They're arguing with Valerie Cooper and then they fly off and Val gave them like a 500 sheet pan- booklet binder to read everything that's top secret about Genosha that all of the X-Men are expected to read by the time that they land there. <laughs> Did you see the size of this book? Yeah, I mean, this is akin to me asking you guys to read these comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was crazy. It was pretty nuts. Um, the X-Men come back to the mansion, they get the other... New Mutants, Cyclops kisses his boy goodbye, and Bobby kisses the babysitter goodbye, and with his wonderful uh, mullet. And then they take off, and then we cut back to Genosha because Hodge and the Ginginera are fighting again because that's all they do, uh, every issue. The X-Men land, and they're carrying these big uh, bags filled with, with stuff from Forge. Um, Cyclops tells Archangel and uh, Cannibal the fly ahead and, and, and scout, and then boom, Cyclops is hit by something that looks like Havoc's blast, and Havoc is missing at this point, right? Can I just stop, and, you, stop you and discuss the fact that Lex Luthor is watching them? From, yes, I, yes. I thought that too. I thought He's that literally too. in the, the same costume, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, but Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor from like the, uh, the 1960s Justice League cartoon. Yeah. All right. So uh, Havoc is missing at this point in history. They don't know where he is, but, you know, spoiler, here he is. He's fighting for Genosha, and he's blasting people, and he's blasted Scott in the back. And then there's just a bunch of fighting um, in black colors. Uh, <laughs> it was really unengaging. And they fight, and then Scott and Havoc fight, and Scott realizes this is Alex. Um, and then there's more fighting, and Sunspot and, and Beast team up. It's just really forgettable. And then we just get two He-Men with slightly different hair colors just, like, pounding each other. Uh, wow, that sounded very different. Um, 
Well, you know, you say that, but <laughs> I, I, you know, and I'm, I'm going to say like, I, my rating for this book is going to end up being all about the writing, um, mm-hmm. in spite of the art. And I really love the writing in this book, but the scene between them sounds like it's from a soft core porno. And he's like, oh, it blasted, but it just ripped off my blouse. Yes. Oh, we're fighting and my bra fell off. Like, it just, yeah. <laughs> it's so much like, oh, no, we're naked. Let's fight. Yes. It's got like, it's got like grabbing him by the ears. Yes. And yes. Head into the floor to like make him remember. I don't think that's how that works. If you, if you read certain pieces of the dialogue just on their own, it really could be because. He's like, it worked when we were little. It works. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they just fight. Um, then we cut to Genosha, and, and Rain is singing the cell, sort of depressed. Boom Boom is escaping up top of the prison, and Richter is escaping through the sewers. And we find out that D.H. Storm, who, wow, this was, this, you know, I was sort of, not paying a whole lot of attention to the art up until this point. Uh, it was just kind of there. But I saw this storm, uh, his first storm, and it just, just like, knocked me on my, my ass with how rough this looks. Uh, just the face. I can't, I can't deal with this, Dan. Um, but she escapes through the laundry. It's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cyclops is crying, which this might be the best artwork in the whole page. It's just the bottom corner of just Cyclops looking down at his hands like upset you know what I'm talking about yeah you know, the best the best panel is father and son pointing while looking at a map oh, um, well, yeah, that's yes. pointing in, in opposite <laughs> directions yes. yes yeah yeah so Scott's upset because Havoc got away and uh yeah as you mentioned Cable and Cyclops look at a map they agree what to do and point in different ways to go and then Cameron Hodge is, is like sneakily, oh, you're falling right into my plans. The end. I'm sorry if that was a lot to talk about. but uh... No, no, no. There's a lot of words. You're all right. Um, so, yeah, uh, we already talked about the cardboard cutout. Uh, you know, for a maniacal supervillain plan, I actually think Hodge's overall plan is actually pretty good. Right? To... um. Kind of the crux of this story is he wants to take over or use Genosha to punish the X-Men. And then he'll kind of somehow, I guess it's, maybe it's not that good. Um, <laughs> it seemed good while I was reading it. But he wants to somehow like, you know, launch pad from Genosha into exterminating mutants around the world. Um, but the idea of like using Genosha's political upheaval to get personal revenge I mean that's that's not a bad little plan and it works for many a storyline in the future yeah so. no it's not a bad plan and he's an if nothing else a good mustache twirling villain in this series yes very much so alright well uh, anything else you guys want to bring up about this issue no, I'm good. So my question is, is this the worst drawn? Um, uh, like, is X-Factor the worst drawn, or is New Mutants the worst drawn? I think it's going to vary from issue to issue. I, I really think that first New Mutant one is 
writing and art my least favorite of all nine issues. Um, and there there are parts of this art that are okay, um, but not very many. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what do you want to read it then? Well, you know, I really struggle with this one because I like the writing a, a lot. Um, and so I'm going to rate it despite the art. And I kind of want to give it five. Four is probably more realistic because of the art. So I don't know. Where'd you guys land? Well, it feels like this is where the story actually starts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think the writing's. There's some really nice moments in, like, ideas and concepts and moments. And him with his little cardboard cutout gives it a free automatically right. so I think, I think i think i'll give it i'll give it a free i'll stick because it's such a clever idea and it kind of i know it feels like the story actually moves <laughs> uh, i know things have happened but it feels like the story's actually started now yeah um yeah I'm, I'm there with the three as well uh the writing's probably the I, I, the uncanny claremont is good but it's just you feel every word of that. Where here, I didn't feel the the weight of the of the words so much. So I felt like the writing was a little bit better. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's move on to part four, which is um, the Flashpoint. Not to be confused with the the DC one. Um, written by Chris Claremont, of course. Art by Jim Lee. Uh, i got to follow my little flying pages here. Um, inks by Scott Williams. Colors by Glennis Oliver. And letters by Tom Orchikowski. Um And, of course, our cover is, again, by Lee and Williams. I like this cover a lot. Um, we have Wolverine taking a stab at Cameron Hodge. And then Storm and Psylocke being attacked by tentacles. Because, you know, he's pretty much just... A slightly more human mojo at this point, um, but no. And I, li- I like the little like peel back of the cow to see like Wolverine sideburns. I don't know. I think it's a cool cover. What do you guys think? I think it's classic Wolverine imagery, and I really like yeah. how Wolverine's drawn. Um, it does border on like um, tentacle Japanese hentai. Okay, form. yeah, I can see that. I didn't think that, but I can see it. I yeah. don't. I don't like. Hodge's design at all. I f- no. Lee does the best he can with what it is, but I feel like it's um, messy, like really busy. And it's definitely changed from the first two issues. Yeah. I wish this one still had the cardboard cutout. <laughs> He's <laughs> fighting them with the cutout hanging yeah. from his neck. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see what happens in this one, shall we? Jubes, we get jubes. Yeah, we do. Um, all right, some Genosha magistrates are pursuing Rick and Boom Boom, but Wolverine, Jubilee, and Psylocke are back on the scene to intervene. Once the magistrates are down, Psylocke gets gives us a telepathic synopsis from the New Mutants. Uh, Wolverine and Psylocke plan to save Storm and Wolfbane from the Citadel, while Jubilee will stay and protect the powerless Rick and Boomer. Dr. Moreau and Dr. McTaggart debate on TV. When Moreau retires to his quarters, Storm nabs him, but Hodge always conveniently coming to the rescue and recaptures her. 
Wolverine and Psylocke get some Genosian uniforms, a la Star Wars, and vehicles to approach the Citadel, but a storm is put through the mutate process. Her psychic scream takes Psylocke out of commission. Wolverine uses the situation to demand medical attention from the engineer Stat. Havoc blows their cover and attacks them. Pretty great fight. Uh, Havoc and Wolverine have a testosterone standoff until Psylocke hits Havoc with the totality of her psychic power and her blade. Um, Hodge nabs Wolverine, but careful what you catch. Uh, Then the two X-Men fight back. Hodge gets the upper hand, but while he's distracted, Moreau makes a slight change to the mutate process before revealing Storm as mutate number 20. I wish you would have said Testanderoff. I should have, and I will next time. Okay. Uh, hashtag Testanderoff. Test, test yeah. I mean, artwork-wise, I think I like this more than the first issue. Maybe it was the inclusion of Jubilee that really hit that, that spot for me, but I, I, I especially yeah. the fight. I think having the same, having Williams do all the inking helps as well. Um, cause they are a team that definitely understand each other that even nowadays, I don't know how much you, you may happen to catch on Twitter, but when Scott Williams draws by himself, kind of looks like a second rate Jim Lee. Um, <laughs> so, so they definitely are kind of, they, they were a good team, good tandem. Um, so this is pretty cool. I mean, to have. Oh, I also like that it says the Extinction Agenda, the X Team's Greatest Crisis on the front page. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, I'm just glad to see, you know, Wolverine, Psylocke, and Jubilee have kind of been running around doing their own thing. I thought this was a cool way. Even doesn't necessarily make sense, and they're just hanging out in Magiport, like, oh, let's go to Genosha. But I was glad to see them kind of come back into the the proper X story. So that was exciting. Um, and you really understand why Wolverine and Jubilee belong together. Like their dialogue and relationship in, in this issue is really, really enjoyable. Oh, what do you guys think of the, the dialogue? Yeah, I was waiting for Dan because we didn't sort of hog things. What do you think, Dan? Um, I thought this was um, he managed to get Psylocke to say uh, totality at least twice, which is impressive. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I still, I still think you do not declare your powers or any intention around. It's so weird. Like, it's like, <laughs> just I don't even know how that would work in a in like. Oh, I just use my focus totality of my psychic powers, and then like Richter's like, oh, okay, fair enough. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Aside from that, because it's like just like a. a, a a little niggling tick. Um, this is my favorite issue of the whole nine issues. It 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 runs. It runs from start to finish. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's breathless. It actually is beautiful to look at. There's some amazing compositions. Yes. Yeah. The color work. Oh my god. The color work. I can't even. The the the, fir- the first page that they jump down. Um, where Wolverine's like holding on to the the um sort of banister thing and Jubilee's holding onto his neck and Salak's just gracefully falling from somewhere. Um is is just a just that is just the nineties to me on on yeah. the page. I think um, that next page is even, even more nineties. Yeah. Um, 
Um, um, and the the beauty of this is this isn't uh, Claremont's narration on point, where it descri- he's describing the characters without them describing themselves for once. Um, <laughs> he's describing the characters and how they fight, and the art is actually kind of like mimicking that sort of style um, with the rough and ready sort of attitude and the way that characters are slanted or opposed. And I just... The, like I, I don't know what lightsaber that Magister is using, but I just love the color white and the fact that it's, it bleaches like Wolverine's face and everything around it, and it just has this sort of great glow to it. I, 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 I can't like praise like this is really beautiful stuff. Just, just a simple image of Psylocke standing there in the background with like Rick and um, Boom Boom talking is such a. These are all like in my head the iconic visuals that I think of when mm-hmm. I think of Jim Lee. And yeah. Claremont does a really good job. Like the dialogue's fun. Jubilee is a breath of fresh air um, yes. for the whole book. Wolverine's a breath of fresh air as well. Um, Salok has no emotions because she's overtly sexualized. Claremont can't help himself. But <laughs> other, other, other than that, um, I, 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 and I didn't know. And I think this is nice. Salok doing the whole um, psychic flash flashback. It uh, reminds me of when Aswa did it in um, uh, All New X-Men. And then right. when did it in All New X-Men, I was like, oh, God, is that where they got that from? Because I see the resemblance, and it's awesome that, you know. Um, and, I, yeah, even the Mario stuff, even though I don't understand why she's wearing latex. Because um, uh, like, of malice. Uh, always, always malice is fun. Yeah. Um, but, like, even that stuff like made sense and worked with the whole like course of um the story i just love this book i genuinely did as far as awesome oh yeah. yeah i mean you you mentioned the color work which is just amazing this issue and specifically the fight between havoc and and wolverine looks amazing and the panel where a storm is going through the mutate process and on the right you've got her like bound and with tubes all over on the left like the screaming psionic pink face that's like highlighted in white it's so gorgeous have the havoc where he's yellow um and yes, like yeah. screaming just those three panels are just i don't know why they're not um your avatar georgie um <laughs> like but everything I mean, you do uh, there's, there's a number of, of x-factor issues you know after he takes over where he does i mean there's just all kinds of this sort of stuff happening Yep. And we get some nice grumpy Wolverine. And there's also an interesting part because over in Marvel Comics Presents, we're about to kick off Weapon X. And there's a funny little scene inserted here where Psylocke's like asking him about his adamantium skeleton. And all that's missing is the editor's note that says, find out more in upcoming issues of Marvel Comics <laughs> Presents. <laughs> but um, I just thought that the timing was kind of funny on that. But also just you got, you got classic kind of grumpy Wolverine. Um, and yeah, I'm with you guys. I think this hits on every cylinder for me. All right. I, I have several notes. that just, just says page 24, page 27, page 5, whatever. It just says page number, awesome art. <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah. Um, amazing and fun. Um, I, of course, being the podcast that goes snicked, I want to mention, you know, 
Wolverine and his team, Jubilee and Psylocke, they, they jump into this story with a vengeance. Like, they're, they come in this chapter and they are in it. And I thought that was really cool and really fun. Feels like an adrenaline shot. And it's weird because it's only the fourth part, but it felt like it already needed an adrenaline shot. <laughs> right. Um, like, <laughs> I was like, does it need... Because I thought, oh, it's just really high octane. It seems really... Like, it's so jarring coming from, like, the last issue. Um, where they're like, oh, we will... Where they had a massive fight at the end, but that fight has no, like, visual impact. And it didn't feel like it was doing anything. It felt like clay figures yes. slinging mud at each other. It was like the dude just took his action figures and hit them against each other. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this was like... It just feels like poetry in motion on the page. And I was like, right, so I'm going to have to read New Mutants after this, aren't I? Can't I just... <laughs> Skip those. <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh well. All right, let's rate it. Cool. Well, I'm going to go six out of six. No surprise there for me. What about you guys? I'm I'm going to give it six out of six. I think it's just pure nineties awesome. Yeah, in in with the with the asterisk that this is pure nineties awesome, as Dan just said. I w- I will also give this a six. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, part five is New Mutants number 96. Yes. Um, United We Stand. And on the cover, we have Beast and Cable jumping into action. And um, it looks okay. See, I like this cover. I, I kind of like Liefeld's Beast here and the pose. This is, to me, this is an example of when his art kind of works. Yeah, it kind of like... It, it's quite dynamic. I quite like the the play of the blue and the red in the background. And I, Cable is just Cable, but I, I quite like his beast. He draws yeah. his feet well. Yeah, yeah. This is the beast I remember from Liefeld. Yeah, with the like, it feels like shorter hair and a little bit beefier. And this is when Cable had like the old man like like receding hairline going on. Where you'll never see that again. He's just got like a crew cut, but like this actually makes him look like old and like, you know, he's gone through some stuff. Yeah. But yes. So we start on Genosha, where um, through tele tele holograms, uh, some Genosian kids see that Psylocke and Wolverine have been captured, and they're all like, "Yay, save us from the evil mutants!" And um, some Genosian dudes with a mutate that can track mutants who isn't Caliban but looks like Caliban um, is with them and then we move on to Jubilee uh, Rick and Boom Boom because Jubilee has gone down to look for food for the guys because she's been assigned by Wolverine to protect and serve. Dan can I jump in really quickly? Like One of the things I I mentioned earlier was the costume changes and I, I just hate the idea of Jubilee in like a pink onesie, like a pink jumper with a yellow coat. It looks so bad. It w- she would not do that. Do not worry. What? That that plus coat her is... poor her poor left foot is on her right leg. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I have to say that. But you know she's a mutant. For, you know. Wow. 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 <laughs> maybe, maybe she can't dance. Maybe her mutant power is two left feet. <laughs> But she runs away because Jubilee's Jubilee and she got everyone into trouble. Um, and then she's like, she's the only one that's got powers. And, and she's like, you can't fight. But Boom Boom, who, let's be fair, will vanish for decades. Um, 
decide to because I totally forgot that Boom Boom is basically Jubilee, but mm-hmm. blonde. Yeah, almost down to her powers. And they kind of um, hit on that in this issue, which is fun. Yeah, that she was quite a fun little uh, callback. Um, it wasn't until what Agents of Hate that she was actually an interesting character. But anyway, um, that's me being mean. Anyway, um, they dispatch the Genotians and Jubilee's like, what should we all do? And then we jump to Cable standing on a box, or one leg stood on the box, and a crushed up gargoyle beast. That is a weird image. That image is weird. Anyway, so, yes, everyone's talking, and um, Cyclops... Um, <laughs> I can't tell if Jean's hovering, or Cyclops is just effortlessly lifting Jean? With one arm. Cyclops and Jean share a kiss, and... Um, Gene goes off because Cyclops no, is really worried. Dan, Dan no, I, yeah. I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I got to point out if you look at that word bubble and right below it, you can see her foot. <gasps> yes, you can. Then, yeah, so she <gasps> is. Uh, she's just got really long legs. Yeah. One really long leg. Anyway, <laughs> um, so Cyclops doesn't like Gene doing anything, which because she died and came back or didn't die and come back or whatever the whatever happened there um and this is a thing that will be going through the rest of the um issues coming forward Jean goes off with uh, bishop and cable with her telekinetic powers sorry with who uh, is it beast and cable actually bishop <laughs> I'm, I'm like right. i'm moving forward in the timeline yeah you are. <laughs> it could just be to be fair it could be Liefeld's uh drawing um yeah it could be. and then um a really bizarrely faced archangel and cannibal have a, have a chat then everyone starts shouting at each other, and in, in um, it, that is literally all they do, isn't it? In Hodge's little uh, group of friends, they all shout at each other, and they all have black eyes, deep black pits, like Havoc's eyes don't exist; they're just dark. What? I Wait, that's just be Havoc. Yeah, that's Havoc, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. Oh no! <laughs> Havoc looks like a grey alien. Skull at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah, he does. And um, Rain's about to be put through um, the mutate process. Um, and for some unknown reason, Hodge is now green and also saying that we should put like this thing in her head to make her know that I did it because that will work out well in the end. Yeah, right. Um, right. Then, we, then, we, then we cut to the most bizarre sequence of events. So Jubilee and Co have because I can use Co, uh, have found an abandoned apartment with a fridge full of food that then just so happens to have a Genosian dude jump in, which Victor beats up, and then um, he looks fouled, doesn't he? I'm literally just looking at his art thinking, this is terrible. Um, and then they see Rain on TV, and then Jubilee somehow has, like, her jacket becomes... Weird. This was the panel for me that like blew my head off. It's yeah. like a, it's like she's got nine tails or something. Like yeah, she's like a, a, it's a peacock. Yeah. And um, Boom Boom stops Richter from running after uh, and going to save Wolfsbane. They all have a little chat. But it looks like two two people who have no idea what sex is just like ran ran their like crotches into each other in the air. <laughs> How it works. It's the weirdest. Like, She's like, I'll stop you. Ugh, it's, it's I do love so the fact odd. that um, Boom Boom is about uh, 15, 16 years 
years old and she is drawn like a sex 50 sex bomb uh, with even with her hair covering mm-hmm. almost like a Michelle Pfeiffer uh, yeah via, uh, that yeah, looks very Michelle Pfeiffer yeah um which is really weird oh and I forgot to mention that the mutate that can track people is now their best friend um for, for reasons plot reasons I imagine and then um we cut to the other team who are telekinetically floating around planting bombs everywhere until someone walks out and Sunspot doesn't see him and then Gambit throws one of his um, cards which I didn't know make no noise which is a complete revelation to me like it's mentioned three times that they make like no noise apparently yeah that's in my head canon they sound just like the uh, animated TV show yeah I was like yeah. why are they silent are they silent when they explode? Because that makes no sense. But anyway, um, a guy screams and therefore their blo- um, cover's blown. And in the sewers, um, Victim and co. Uh, go back to find uh, Wolfsbane. They come up and then the body just falls in front of them. They're semi-horrified. Not really that bothered. Um, obviously, the poor mutate is and just runs. And then as they look around the corner, they see Cable and Co. getting attacked by all of the Genosian dudes. Then Hodge comes down in his now yellow suit um, and joins the battle. Everyone's chatting and fighting at the same time. Wolfsbane is now a mutate. And Richter has a massive monologue, which basically sums up to, I'm going to get my revenge. Um, That is, yeah. I remember reading this page and going, if I was Jubilee, I'd just say, uh, we're in the middle of a fight. Do, do you need to talk for five minutes about <laughs> how you want to fight? But anyway, um, the end. Thank God. That was, that was a struggle for me to yeah. read. Well, this see. was the issue. So can I, can I put my reading experience of this in, in context? Yeah. These boys were really clever and did it over several uh, times, uh, days, whatever. I was not clever, and I read all nine of them this morning, starting about one o'clock. It didn't take me too long to finish, but I actually had to have a break after this issue. This was the issue that broke me, like the one just after just after my favorite issue, right? So I was pumped to keep on reading, and then this one ripped everything away from me, and I was like, I have to go have a cup of tea. And uh, have a chill, go for a little bit of a walk and wander, see the world, come back, come back, and then maybe read again. So in, like, in parody with the book, this is your monologue about how you're going to get revenge on this issue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. In keeping with the book, this is my, yes, this is my monologue. But yeah, um, ouch. See, to me, this issue had the saving grace that I really like Simonson's Boom Boom. Um and and while kind of making fun of them being the same, I thought the interaction between Boom Boom and Jubilee was really charming. Um, and plus, when they call her out for being like, "Will me this and will me that," like those moments, I really liked. Now, granted, most of my enjoyment of this issue had like nothing to do with the actual plot, um, <laughs> but I, I thought there were several redeeming kind of interchanges that, that made this a little easier to swallow for me. Yeah, I think you mentioned the highlights. But I, I don't know if I 
I don't enjoy really any the artwork, especially Havoc. He's going through all kinds of body dysmorphia here. Uh, I just, I'm just so glad we're done with this one. I do like that um, in in these issues that Cannibal also has like longer hair, where in the X Factor issues he's still got like the crew cut going on. Right. Uh, that's a highlight, I guess. Um, I just, I, 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 I pass. All right. See- I'm going to disagree. I think the dialogue between Jubilee and um, Boom Boom is is if I, I I I commend them trying to make them different, but I felt like it was the same person arguing with themselves. <laughs> um, just hitting. It felt like much like then much like Richter and Boom Boom just slapping against each other like dolphins on a you know beach. Um, I I generally found quite a lot of the dialogue grating especially hard like can we just can he just not have a moment can we just have one scene without like one book where i know he's the main villain but he really doesn't have to argue with everyone like and i i found that the plan or the non-plan or the plot just decides well what are we doing because to be absolutely honest there was no need for jubilee boom boom and richter to be part of the story from this moment onwards like that's fair. When when Wolverine says take them to safety, we we didn't. It's fine because you know it's a new mutants tie-in, so we actually have to have the new mutants at the forefront. But it felt like, well, now we're going to have this, and this is going to happen here, and we have to sort of pedal water for these characters just so that a little bit later on we may get one payoff or two uh, from them. I just I don't know. It just, it just doesn't. I just didn't like it at all. It's quite, and the art is just worse than the last one. You think so? I thought it was a little better. I, it's, I, I, I thought you could tell the difference, or at least I could feel like I could tell the difference between when T. Barrow was in King Liefeld and when Rubenstein was in King Liefeld. But I feel like this one has a lot of visual continuity errors. Um, for sure. much like the. The foot, for example, being on the wrong foot. Um, not... <laughs> How do you do that? And, and he, does, Jubilee... he does that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Jubilee's um, peacocking, rigid, shape-shifting jacket that changes size in every panel. And, like, I don't know. I, I even at one point thought Wolverine's face was supplanted on Richter's at one point. Because his, oh, literal, wow. his literal... If you look at the panels, Richter's literal physical features change from two panels yeah. to another. Like, there was a lot of, like... Like, I'm not talking... I'm not being a, I'm not being super picky in the sense of, like, oh, the continuity, oh, that soda can is not there anymore when it was there before. I'm literally talking, they physically change. Like, they generally shapeshift into another being between panels. And I found it quite muddy to read visually as well. Like, right. but... I apologize for disagreeing. <laughs> no, no, I, I like it. Can, all right, we're talking about one panel. I'm sorry, I'm just scrolling through and looking at it. It's the on on Marvel Unlimited. It's page 18 of 21. It's one where Cable is whacked uh, a guy across the face. Look at his spine here for a second, and just tell me what's going on here. I thought that was his ass at the bottom. To be honest, Cable's ass. But... <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So his body is like this crazy. Like S spine into his like I don't know what's going on. That's funny. It's uh yeah, it's it's something. 
All right. Well, you guys ready to wrap up the first two thirds? Uh, yeah. We want. Oh to wait, wait. I guess we should rate that. Um, I, I obviously liked some of the dialogue a little more, so I'm going to go three out of six. I'm expecting y'all are probably twos. Mine's actually going to be one because this is the one that physically made me have to leave the event. <laughs> so. Fair enough. Fair enough. What about I'm going to be a, a, a two. I mean. Yeah. I, I say the ones for like something really horrible, and, and at least this was—I mean, I, I, maybe not competent, but it, it wasn't the worst thing we will read. No, I, <laughs> yeah, I liked it better than part two, so whatever that's worth. All right, <laughs> cool. Well, X Factor sixty-one is part six. What you got, Georgie? It is, and we've got two sort of like. Action bubbles popping up here. It says, it's all out wars. Cable battles Hodge. Plus, Wolverine lies dying. You must read Assault on the Citadel. It feels very like Saturday morning cartoony sort of thing. Yeah, it does. And it's kind of appropriate because these characters are, once again, black colors. Uh, just got Cable trying to punch or rather rip out uh, wires from Hodge and he's getting pulled away. And then on the bottom, we have Wolverine lying dead almost with Gene holding him. Um, yeah. Gene. Yeah. I mean, once again, this is like, oh, if, if this composition would have been done by a different penciler and some some different coloring, like this could have been an interesting page, lay- like a, a front cover layout. But here it just feels like two two halves of, of, of boring. Right. It, it's two completely different issues mashed together in the worst mashup since I don't know, I just, it's horrible. The top, <laughs> the top half is the top half is disgusting. Like I gen, it, it's ugly. It is it's ugly. Horrible. I don't like this cover at all. Yeah. So moving on in. Uh, moving you know, on in. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, the, the tangent here. Have you guys ever ever uh, seen the report of the week on YouTube? No. It's a dude. Like a skinny white dude who's in like his mid twenties who wears like baggy suits and reviews fast food. Uh, if you have a okay. chance, I would totally check it out because it'll just blow your mind. But every time he goes to like start, he'll like preamble about the food he's gonna eat, and right before he takes a bite, he goes, "Okay, going in." <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, but uh, unlike, or rather, like the uncanny issues, kind of, we have an introduction to all the characters that'll appear in this issue. <laughs> And oh my god, is this ugly. Yeah, but it's on an old like dot matrix printer sheet. With I the mean, little like perforated circles on the edge. I'll say it again. This dude knows how to like lay out an issue. He just doesn't know how to draw people. <laughs> no. I'll give them all. No. No. Uh I really dislike uh Boom Boom and, and Jubilee having like mirror face of just like Sticking their mouth out at each other, ready to fight. <laughs> it's just an ugly, ugly page. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we are back in Hodge's like base here, and he's brought all the uh, X Men that he captured, and he's got Wipeout here, and he's asked Wipeout to like remove their powers. Um, but Forge has fainted, and uh, they're not really sure why. Uh, and Forge is like, put aside, go for it. Is Hodge got a cold? Oh no, he's he's just like he's 
sweat and saliva dripping off him. Yeah, I think he's slobbering. It could yeah. be from his nose, but... Mm. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Sorry about that. Carry on. Uh, no worries. Uh, I, I want to point out that on this, this issue, we have Mike Rockwitz on colors, which is different than before. Yeah. And we also have John uh, Caponegro as uh, assisted pencils uh, for half the book. Otherwise, the creatives are the same. Right. Uh, not you know until I read that it's, I couldn't really tell. His pencils don't help any. No. <laughs> uh, so Hodges gets angry and like whips some of the X Men around, and then he throws Forge at Havoc, who you had no idea was Havoc until like a page later, because he's just a dude in a uniform. And as he's escort escorting uh, the X Men to cells. Another dude's like giving him crap because he's a mutant. He's like, "Hey, I had to work twice as hard." Blah blah blah. Um, they see Rain, who's got number tattooed on her forehead, and they can't believe what's happened. Um, Cable, for some reason, can no longer use his bionic arm, which didn't make any sense to me. It's like he lost his powers, but then he couldn't like move his arm anymore. Did you yeah, guys understand I, that? I have a question. This is kind of. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry. Cable actually have powers apart from guns at this point. Oh, at this point, I don't know. I don't either. Um, I don't know how much of that has been. I mean, he is a mutant, but I don't know. That's a good question. I will say this is the first hint. Um that he needs to keep his bionic in check at all or or powers are required to use it that is not just like wired into his brain mm-hmm. so he dives at Hodge tries to rip out some wires Hodge pulls him back and once again this is like the, almost the spinning image from the cover here yeah um, yeah. He's thrown against the wall. He gets hit by darts because a lot of people get hit by like darts and poles and stuff in this series. Um, we then move on to the uh, a, like a supply base, and the X Men are changing into mutate um, costumes, and then Cyclops and they put on like bald caps as well. So Cyclops makes like a huge change. <laughs> I love that it. One, I thought they just shaved their heads. I no, like... no, they they talk about it. That he oh, okay. Calf, yeah. Okay. Um, everyone is like super block colored here. It's almost like they just like like a, a block of blue, like stamp blue here, yellow here, red here. The beast looks so. Is that like a purple? Almost? Yeah, yeah. Hey, so speaking of losing powers, I know this happens anytime the X Men lose powers. Um, with people that are like physically different mutants, like why isn't Beast like a normal dude? Well, I, 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 never mind. Never mind. Oh, he hasn't lost, lost his powers. powers. Yeah. Never mind. Okay. That's how they get around that, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> uh, so they decide they're going to try and infiltrate. On in 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 the next page, you can see Beast putting on the bald cap on Bobby there in the background. Okay, gotcha. I missed that. I mean. <laughs> 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 so then they uh, come back to Genosha and they're putting everyone in the cells and they tell Gene that there's too many people we have to put you in with someone else and guess who it is a bloody and dying Wolverine who's laying on like a concrete slab 
with like a wound on his side with blood lick, like dripping all over and blood all over his face. And his face I, looks like that um, uh, Ron Perlman in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't believe that Jean Grey somehow finds this attractive because he is like dripping in blood and she sits down next to him and is like, hey, sweet stuff. What's going on? And then they they share a long kiss. And red I, loves red, obviously. Sure. <laughs> well, you, you guys know I don't ship Gene and Logan, so you know but, what. What, well, what, a, what about like bloody dying man would make someone go ooh? The only thing I can think of is, and they set this up right a few issues ago, where she talked about what a good kisser he was, the best there is. Oh yeah. Um. And just yeah, one more kiss before he dies. Right, right. Almost like a pity, but almost like a. It's been so long since I've seen you. I don't really care about your. I don't know. I mean, I think there's ways you can maybe write it out, but it's a weird scene. In my head, it's like when McDonald's is going to discontinue a sandwich. You're like, yeah, I got to get one more, one more sandwich before this <laughs> right. goes. Right. Yeah, it's the last day in the McRib for. Yeah. Exactly. Year. Right. Um, I also want to point out on this page that Wolverine's blood changes to orange. Um, it's just more awful coloring going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Not not good. I'll be cut to Hodge yelling at the engineer. Uh, the engineer. Then we've got the Genosian soldiers trying to infiltrate where the X-Men were. But surprise, they planted bombs and they blow everything up. And then we go back to Hodge's office, or rather the Madam President's office, and they argue some more. And then they argue some more. And then Havoc shows up like, hey, there was an explosion. And then Havoc's hair is is brown. Uh, and then it's, it's blonde again. So, like, at first I had no idea who this was. Uh, like, all these color mistakes just egregious here. Um, yeah. And as they're, they're arguing, uh, you can hear Banshee's scream, the windows shatter. And then Archangel and Cannonball and Banshee are here for the rescue. They go to fight Hodge, and Hodge is like, hey, it's Archangel. I'm going to get you, sucker. And um, <laughs> then he like, captures them, like, real easy. Uh, my biggest, not my biggest, one of the flaws of this whole series is, like, how invincible Hodge is. No matter how many X-Men are attacking him, he's, like, just invulnerable. So, like, four dudes attack him. He's like, whatever, I'm good. Uh, he basically captures the rest. Uh, then we see uh, Cyclops in his mutate outfit bringing in some bodies. Uh, they go to inspect, and uh, maybe my favorite thing of the whole series, uh, Scott's like to one of the soldiers, hey, this guy's got 666 on him. It's like, really? i got to take a look at this. You know what they say about 666? And then Beast, like, arm busts through, says, yeah, it's the number of the Beast. That's was... my favorite part of the whole issue. Yeah. <laughs> And then we get some more just like action figure fighting um, and black coloring. And wow, if this doesn't look like a Hanna-Barbera like TV show put on page, I don't know what does. Oh, man, it's it's rough stuff. Mm-hmm. Scott shows up again. Uh, rather, Havoc shows up again. They go to fight each other. And then Scott puts him in a bear hug. He's like, remember the time we fell out of the plane? And that's all it takes for Havoc to be like, oh, yeah, I'm Alex. So. So what's up with Cyclops' philosophy that abuse brings back memories? Because this is the second time he's tried it, and this time it works. Um, 
it's weird. Like, I'm going to bash your head until you remember. I'm going to cut off your oxygen flow until you remember. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's weird. And also, Havoc, when he first gives him the, the bear hug, Havoc, he squeezes so tight that Havoc's hair turns white. <laughs> oh, and Ooh. I hate these RoboCop bad guy glasses. No. Actually, you know what this looks like? Do you remember... Um, there's a show called Cops. Yes, I remember Cops. Like um, the the C, like with, but it stood for something. Yeah, were animated action, show. Yeah, and they had action figures. This art looks like those action figures. Oh my gosh! Sure. <laughs> I'll have to try to. I I still have some somewhere. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can find them, and I'll do uh, uh some side by sides. Nice. Can see I remember everything. Cops. I liked that show when I was like eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Okay. So then my problem. Sorry, just um, finish it up, Dan, and then then right. I'll give it to you. Hodge sees Alex and Scott. Uh, Alex, with his memory, decides that he's gonna like shoot Scott unconscious. Otherwise, Hodge is gonna kill him, and then he's gonna like keep him safe. End of issue. Go, go ahead. So my problem, apart from the panel where Beast and Beast is trying to like sort of lift a door and twerk at the same time um <laughs> my problem is like how is archangel still got his wings um if they're being if it looks like that would be quite painful that he's magically phased them into his suit and he's trying to pull them out like aren't they razor sharp wouldn't that just cut his hands off when he's trying to pull it out did he, he not protract okay. them yet yeah and then what does he do to Banshee to make him basically bubble all over? I don't know. It yeah. makes no sense. He's too invincible. It's, it's, it's boring. I mean, I, I focus so much on the artwork this time because it's so, like, terrible um, that I really left out any comments on how it was written. And <laughs> I, I this might be, like, the first Simonson issue, or rather the first X-Factor issue was written, a little, I think, a little bit well, maybe not. We still have the same use of fight. Maybe it's just as good. It was passable, I felt like. Uh, the, the artwork really, really brings this down for me. Yeah, me too. Um, we do have the classic nod that we know Storm's okay because it's raining outside. Um, <laughs> so there's that there's that thing. That's, All an, right. uh, that's an ugly panel. I mean, oh my gosh. Um Yeah, I wouldn't say who who elects uh, a president this ugly, but then you know, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> you mean as a person, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. On the inside, grotesque. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, this this art is rough stuff. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, uh, unless you guys have anything else you want to shoot at this this issue, you ready to rate it? I actually forgot to in my notes. <laughs> I don't know what that says about this issue. Um, I'm between a two and a three. I'll, I'll let y'all peer pressure me. I'm going to go with two. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like almost tempted to go one. Like This artwork almost makes the previous New Mutants issue look good, artwork-wise. You know what I mean? Um, 
this this also suffers from the just like fight the whole issue sort of a thing that the the third issue of X Factor will unfortunately fall to. It's just like constant mashing of action figures against each other. That's just really boring. So oh wait wait I just realized that the the cover has Wolverine and Daisy Duke. So I'm gonna go three out of six. <laughs> the cover has Wolverine and da- oh Jesus. <laughs> All right, well, I kind of feel like the wheels are falling off this a little bit as we get to the back third, but um, I guess we will see. Um, so Extinction Agenda Part 7 is Uncanny X-Men 272, which keeps the same team, except for this time, Glennis Oliver has a color assist from Joe Rosas. Um, what do you... So, Classic Jim Lee cover. Uh, we have Wolverine in the foreground yelling at us. We have maybe Kid Storm standing front and center. Maybe not. Um, and then we have Cable and Archangel in the background. I like Jim Lee's Cable. I, I don't know. Then we kept the life field like uh, antenna. But I don't know. What do you guys think of this cover? Um, I don't mind it. This is the cover for the collection, or every oh, collection. Yes, it oh. is. Yeah. Um, I like the Wolverine, and I like the Archangel. Um, I assume that's Adult Storm. Uh, that that to me in the background, that's just Cable. That is just what he looks like in my head, even when I'm reading things where he's not looking like that. That's just literally... <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just like a '90s X Men cover. I generally think as well that Cable um, has like a fishing reel attached to his gun. Like there's a giant circular thing attached to his gun. I suppose it's aping aliens. Oh, oh yeah. That's funny. And so he can get his bullets back. But he never (laughs) uses his gun like this whole whole series. (laughs) He poses one every now and then, but mostly he just runs around and yells. Um... All right, cool. Um, all right, so the TV news goes to the streets to get sound bites about Genosha for Marvel celebrities. Our mutants, X Factor, X Men, and New Mutants, uh, go on trial in Genosha where their erase X Men from government records virus comes back to bite them in the butt as they can't even prove American citizenship. Mutate Kid Storm is the judge's bodyguard, which pisses Wolverine right off. And even with his hand shackled and no healing factor, he goes on the attack. Storm and the chief magistrate stop him. The mutants are offered a quote-unquote fair trial with a guaranteed death penalty as the outcome, or they can submit to becoming mutates. They choose the farce of the trial, but the judge doesn't feel safe, so he turns them all over to Hodge anyway. Gambit picks his lock and frees Cable, who's going to shoot Hodge until he makes Psylocke his human shield. Though at this point, I think Cable would have still shot her. But anyway, more on that later, I guess. Um, Hodge recaptures them. Psylocke gives in to be a mutate, so Havoc takes her away. But this is all part of the plan, or will be later. Um, <laughs> Hodge pits Archangel and Wolverine against each other, and it was, you know, a pretty great fight, even if it's a little nonsensical. Um, Psylocke escapes. Hodge finds out Moreau has a plan to betray him. A mysterious fighter wipes out Wipeout, 
uh, Gambit uses a spike that was stabbed into his leg to pick his lock again and free our mutants. Havoc is framed for Wipeout's murder and arrested. Hodge confronts the chief magistrate. Psylocke reluctantly rescues her along with Storm. Jean uh, busts up the dust-up between Wolverine and Archangel. Somehow, by the chief's orders, Storm uses plot lightning to turn back into an adult free of Genosian control and restore Cyclops' powers with the promise of restoring everybody else's powers next issue with magic lightning. <laughs> How the mighty has fallen. Um, I, I think yeah. the art is still great. This story starts to really spin out of control at this point. I actually, yeah, because the art's still... Um, Still decent. I think the, the even though it's the same colorist. Um, well, part of it. Part of it's still the same colorist. I feel like the colors make it feel more like action figures now, as opposed to like really dynamic, like the last yeah, issue. That the title page, the double page with them all standing around, is there's too much going on in the colors. Oh man, Pretty look much. at that background. Yeah, that's uh, some ornate. Uh, Genosian architecture. Now, I kept having to remind myself that they lost their powers because every time I saw Cyclops, I was like, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No powers. <laughs> yeah, I think I think um, this is where um, no matter how nice the art is, the plot just 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 dies a death. Um, the only well, significant... Because let's be honest, the story should be over. Like, these last three chapters are just Let's make this nine instead of seven. Or <laughs> because all the books need to have the same number of chapters. Like it feels, it really feels like they ran out of steam and just had to stretch it out to meet the number of issues. Pretty much. It just makes like a, a fight between Archangel and Wolverine, however pretty it is. It, it's, just, it's just another um, misdirection with how little actually goes on. Right, right. And and I understand, like, I don't even mind them pinning it on they don't like each other, because they don't. But it seems like a, it seems like a weird time for them to be like, oh yeah, we hate each other, and screw whatever's happening to our friends, we're going to fight each other. And they have the thing where it's like, well, Archangel can't control his wings without his mutant ability, but I don't know, is that... Is that true? Is that right? <laughs> I think he's always fighting to maintain control. Right, right. But, but I don't think it has anything to do with his power. It's more just like his, his will. Right. It has more to do with Apocalypse's technology and maybe Apocalypse's powers than, than anything that Archangel does. It's, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, artistically and, you know, wanting to see, you know, all the all the metal X-Men, your, your 90s, 10-year-old boy can get an eyeful of. Like, that part of the fight is interesting, or not interesting, but entertaining. But it doesn't really make sense that it happens here and now. Um, yeah. My favorite part of the issue was the Gambit escape, the second one, where he, like, pulls out the like the dart and, like, drops it, catches it with his feet. and Yeah, yeah. 
I did like one. So one thing I did kind of like and kind of wondered about as this issue or as the story was going on and didn't realize I needed an answer. But there's a part where everyone's talking about, well, is that who is that? And they're like, oh, well, Wolverine says it's Psylocke, so <laughs> it must be Psylocke. They're like, oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense because none of them have actually seen her yet in this new body. But the the previous chapters, everyone just kind of went along with the punches. But Claremont's like, oh, maybe we should explain that. Okay, here you go. Wolverine says. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about this costume. The the leg is like, that suit is dangerously close to just like camel towing to the heavens. <laughs> <laughs> it's a high hip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, I don't understand how lightning reverses the mutate, like Wipeout's powers. Is he somehow like short circuiting his his power block? I mean, I get it doesn't help that we don't really know how Wipeout's powers work. Like all we know is he turns off powers. We don't know if there's some kind of like biological function to that or technological or what. So I don't know. I, it really kind of quits making any sense at all to me in this chapter. Yep, we're on the de- uh, the the decline here. It's yeah, like... which is too bad. Oh. But all right. Well, what do y'all want to grade Uncanny two seventy two? I'm gonna give it free. For the artwork mainly yeah three okay i'm gonna do four um for the same reasons but uh like the artwork probably a little more so i'll go four out of six claws and that takes us to the penultimate chapter new mutants 97 Whew. yes so we have a foot cover with um classic cable and wolverine with random yeah. arm problems and yeah. if Hodge and that were in the background I'd be like yeah that's that's awesome but it's yeah. not bad Liefeld is a king of half cow Wolverine like, yeah he, he did that so many times um is yeah <laughs> how would he even stay on but anyway right um, <laughs> after we pick up with the our collective mutants thinking that they've Semi-defeated Hodge, but no, he just rises from the dead consistently. Um, Cyclops zaps him in this issue, which is called War, which might need to be downgraded to Skirmish, but it's not much. It's basically just, let's just fight um, Hodge for consistent pages until they yet again drop a massive, oh no, well, an explosion <laughs> drops uh, rubble onto Hodge, where Cyclops randomly states that, oh yeah, by the way, uh, Forge made this thing that none of you, I told none of you about, which is an explosive device, which could kill us all um, if, if if it exploded and stuff fell on us. But I'll, I'll tell you now that it's conveniently stopped the villain from murdering us. Um, in, in just like, that. that's just as fun as my lightning can cure all. Uh, plot kind of devices. Um, then we go back to Richter and Jubilee in the sewers, who nearly get blown up by the fire um, from the explosion. But they take the unconscious. I was. I just want to say ginger. 
Ginger. Um, <laughs> it's stupid. It's a stupid name. They take the unconscious him um, somewhere to hopefully help reverse the process. But alas, they're in um, the uh, arch nemesis. I've totally forgot his name already. Cameron Hodges, um, villainous there, where he's just slinking about. Um, and while he's thinking about, they find uh, Boom Boom finds uh, what's left of Warlock in a tiny little flask and gets very sad. And then we go up to, I feel sorry for Forge. Uh, we, we, we switch back to uh, Cyclops and his team and Forge has basically lost a leg and an arm. And um, a very scary on drugs looking storm looks at him. And um, they kiss, creating a little lightning storm. And Gambit, the creeper he is, says that he doesn't particularly in, in, like the fact that she's now grown up, which sounds so creepy, especially when it's... <laughs> especially or when he's it's, like, like, the next kiss is for me. Yeah. Like, the way he's lit up as well, it's just like, mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we get classic cat, cat eyes uh, storm on the next page, which is a completely d- different departure from the face we just, just had. Um, everyone's just got their eyes closed and a bit sad talking about what should we do next then we skip to Havoc who finds a key for his um, mutant collar and talk and he inner monologues a little bit about oh I had to do it I'm I remember who I am but I didn't want my brother to die and then we jump back to uh, Jubilee and the rest of the gang and Wolfsbane uh, slunks out of the shadows and jumps on Richter because she's still controlled and then um, we have this huge spiel about this is what we can do, this is what I can't do. Oh, Wipeout's dead, you can't get your powers back. Jubilee's like, well, I'm going to throw a firework in your face if you don't help us. And then um, Storm and her album cover turn up uh, to save the day. And Storm just leaps. And I mean, like, leaps at our um, new mutants and electrifying uh, Wolfsbane and uh, Richter. And Wolfsbane... Uh, somehow the process has somehow unlocked her potential, so she's now a bigger wolf, werewolf thing. <laughs> and Richter's like, and you've changed inside because apparently I can sense that by petting you. Which is really, really bizarre. And then, um, and then, for all fairness, uh, Boom Boom, who we haven't actually discussed the fact that she was randomly stripped naked again, and then is now wearing just Jubilee's jacket which is shrinking by the panel man. yes it is <laughs> yeah and, um, they put it in the hot cycle yeah the washing they, machine they well the hot cycle and something else as well but, um, mm. <laughs> she's like can I have my... <laughs> she's all like can i have my powers back please and then um we jump to hodge who is consistently bigger smaller more aggressive um and he's just dumping his head like an ostrich into floors to phase through the floor and <laughs> find, find our X-Men. And then he's like, I have to defeat Iceman first. So he literally penetrates Iceman's heart with a beam. I assume he's alive. Um, and then he fires some bowlers at Banshee to stop him from screaming. Psylocke's like, I can't use my telepathy um, on Hodge, but I can do other things. So she reaches out and tells people. Um, and Beast and Forge try and attack. And then 
we move over to the rest of the gang who continue to discuss how horrible the place is. And then we find out that if we destroy the machines in Hodges' lab, he will get weaker. So the, the new mutants decide to like trash the place. And then upstairs, Hodge feels it and decides to uh, evacuate and go downstairs. And um, overly sexualized Boom Boom uh, fires a giant, the biggest one, the biggest thing she's ever thrown. Anyway, um, innuendo. She's throwing innuendo uh, at Hodge, uh, which blows off his head, arm, thing. And then um, Sam's like, oh, by the way, I've said this five times already on this mission, but I'm I, I'm, immor- I'm immortal when I blast. I'm invulnerable when I blast, just in case no one heard me the fifth, other 15 times. Um, but Hodge is like, oh, I'll stop you, which I didn't think was possible, but this is Cameron Hodge, the amazingly powerful even damaged he's like owning the x-men no like all these issues he gets hammered and hammered he's like it's nothing and then you know the final issue is like oh one blast from cyclops and havoc and he's dead it's really inconsistent (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah so um he just phases through the floor a la kitty pride because he's losing the fight then everyone's sad because they found Warlock's little um, casket and then Kale's like finally speaks and is like let's go fight and they're like yeah okay and that's the end. Yeah um, so worth mentioning one of Lightfield's protégés, Wong Yap, does the pencils here and every time I think the art can't get worse um, it does. Also I had a question so I can barely, like, go to sleep when I want to at night. How do you, like, make yourself unconscious? With pills. Um. (laughs) Okay. Because the whole thing about Forge is, like, I I was willingly unconscious. So no one can read my mind. No one can wake me up until Cyclops came and gave me a kiss. And then I was sleeping beauty. Um. You just it's watched called... like a, a marathon of uh, of like <laughs> Big Bang Theory and just knocked them right out. Uh, okay, okay. Or or he had, like... he had the outlines for this story. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like um, unfortunately um, it's it's that sort of age old um, spiritual mysticism uh, bullshit. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. So he's just like meh. I'm I'm Native American, so I can do stuff that. Only white people think what I can do, so I'll fall asleep. Um, <laughs> right, right. On command. There you go. Okay. Hey, you know, Dan, you suffer from insomnia sometimes. You, you know, you probably wish yeah. you had this power. I, I, yes, I do indeed wish I could just pass out and then get Cyclops to kiss me to wake me up. Something I wish. Um, so you know we were saying like the the wheels of the bus uh, have, have fallen go round and round, mm-hmm. and and the bus is hurtling towards um, Hellmouth of some description, which is the conclusion of this sh- of this show. No, the conclusion of this this. Oh, please uh, don't. <laughs> um, yeah, surprise! Dan, last last. Dan just cancelled me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, uh, no, I I must admit that the new mutants do. Like the issues here sort of drain me of the will to read anything, let alone the rest of it. And I feel like this is just cleanup. 
you know, it's it's that you remember is it if you watch Saw, like the movie, the Saw movies, um, and near the end of these movies, there's this bit where the camera just spins around and there's like a piece of music, and everyone's just like, "This is Max, this is the plan," and it just it like it, it vomits up everything in like five seconds, and you're like, "All right, so why were we? What was the plan?" Um, this what this is what that issue basically represents to me. It feels like uh, this is just it's clear that it's fine. It's done. Let's go do a final pal. Boom, done. Right. No problems. There was no need for nine issues. Um, we could have done it in two. Um, which is going to be on my gravestone. <laughs> yeah, this definitely felt extraneous, superfluous, whatever you want to say. Um, yeah, any other thoughts, Georgie? I mean, if, if the previous issue wasn't an indication of how poor the quality was this is just like that times two just uh, yeah i mean jason you said it forge read the script for this issue and put him out like just passed out <laughs> that's how i felt he just i wanted to go to sleep now forever forever, <laughs> forever. all right go gonna... forever yeah I'm going to give it a two out of six claws. I think I'm going to give it a one. That's, okay. that's two ones. That's not me. Wow. I, unfortunately, I think I'm I'm heading down to the one as well. Like this was, if nothing else, boring. It was so boring that I I, I couldn't stay engaged for it at all. It's, it's the worst crime in comics, right? Even a, right. A, a horribly awful comic will have something... They'll catch your attention. Nothing caught my attention here. Fair enough. All right. Well, part nine of nine. Final strike. X-Factor 62. Georgie, what do we got going on here? Uh, We've got a change in covers. We've got a Jim Lee cover. Yeah. And we've got classic Havoc pose, like arms up and Havoc beams coming out. And then you've got the X-Factors around him and... Iceman shows up in the background, even though he's like very, very peripheral in this series. And uh, Iceman right? <laughs> died in the last issue. Um, and then we got Jubilee and, and Wolverine in the front uh, with random stuff on the gr- Oh, that's Hodge. Hodge's face. I just realized <laughs> that was Hodge's face. Yeah. And then Orange in the background. It's kind of a. Compared to the other uh, Jim Lee covers, this one looks a little bit more rushed to me. Um, yeah, the coloring is different, or the, the inking is different, but uh, I think it's that Havoc looks a little off. Like his proportions look a little off. I actually really still like the cover, but there's something about Havoc that's just off-putting. Because mm. I feel like he's trying to show that his arms are at an angle towards us, but it looks like he just has short arms raised straight up. Mm-hmm. Like, just something is just something that doesn't quite line up. With that, but I really like his Cyclops on this one. Um, no, the uh, the extraneous nipple is a little off, but uh-huh. uh... <laughs> I do like that. Um, Cable's gone metal and um, in, embraced like a studded uh, bracelet thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's from his original design from his debut. Yeah, all right. Well, Georgie, take us home. What okay. Happened? This is the last chapter. Let's jump on in and finish this on up. Um, let's see. We've got the only change here. We've got the task force, two squared letterers. 
Uh, sure. <laughs> was, it, was that Task Force Z Square? I don't know. Yeah. You know what uh, happened? To- this is part nine, and all the letters are like, I cannot do another issue of this. We can split it up, maybe. We can all, like, tag team this yeah. bitch. We cannot. None of us have it. We all have hand cramps, man. Marvel, you got to pay us more or something. And I, okay. So. I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah. Um, And we finally get to see John Bogdanov's, uh, oh, boy, uh, Wolfsbane here, who, with these legs, man. Woo! I, I don't know what's going like on. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a goat wolf. Uh, yeah, but, but a straight up puppy dog face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a tongue out and everything. Like, you want to pet that thing so bad. But anyway, <laughs> throw, throw it a ball. I don't know. I forgot Wolf Spain became like a giant monster creature. Like, like I, don't, they... I don't think it lasts. It's not, it's not long for this world. <laughs> So she's she shows up with Richter and they're watching people fight. And it's Cameron Hodge fighting everybody and like, oh no, he's coming after us. And she kind of hulks out. Um and then we see Cable's picking up his gun again because he's gonna use I don't know, he doesn't never uses his gun. Um he they try to break out of where they are to get to Cameron Hodge, and then Wolfsbane changes into a like a like a second mutation. Remember how, like, in All New, or I don't remember what it was, where she could, like, turn into multiple werewolves? Yeah, various yeah. levels of werewolf, werewolf, werewolfiness. No, 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 no. It, like, she had a, a new mutation where she could turn into, like, multiple. Oh, oh, like a pack. Yeah. I forgot about that. Uh-oh. Yeah. Do we, do we lose Jason? Oh, not, we lost Jason. Can you not hear me? Oh, now I hear you. Yeah. It was like oh, okay. it was like that. It, it took you out of existence. The realization that, that happened. <laughs> yes. No. Oh, no. But I remember now when she turned into a wolf pack. Yeah. 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 Well, this is another secondary mutation where she she was already mutated and then she mutates again into a giant wolf uh, who who tries to chomp on Cameron Hodges' neck uh, wire to, to kill him, but obviously that's not going to work. Richter s- steps in and and. Uh, Cameron Hodge is like, well, I'll go after you now. Meanwhile, um, Roro and Cable are crawling through uh, the ceiling to try and sneak up on Hodge, but he spots them, and Cable gets owned again because that's all that happens to him, this issue. Yeah. Uh, then, then we get Dan's wonderful favorite Archangel Wings show up. I don't even understand how... They stretched off the panel. I'm going to say they stretched off the panel because they've been truncated for sure. Bless yeah. <laughs> um, need, needless to say, the the artwork here is still, it's still this, this is still maybe the worst. Um, Cyclops and Logan decide to fight over Jean until Jean says, "Sorry, boys, I'm my own lady," um, and they all go to fight. Uh, Storm goes to fight, and she gets beat up, and then Archangel goes to fight, and he gets he gets spat on. And that it's like a glue that like, and then he gets wrapped up. It's really weird. He gets wing glued and then uh, wrapped up. And Cameron Hodge says, "Now I'm going to cut off your neck, just like you did to me." And um, then we see Beast with the other injured X Men are trying to escape. He rips through a wall. 
Um, and he finds some mutates, so he gets to help him. And just as Archangel is about to get his neck blown off, Havoc busts in and destroys the razor, the the saw blade. And then he fights Hodge, and then they all get get owned. And then Wolverine and Cyclops and Jean come in, and they go to fight. And then Wolverine gets owned, and then a Beast meets up with the New Mutants. And now the government is like, "Hey, we're we're sick of this president. We're gonna join you." And so they all go to fight Cameron Hodge, and everyone gets owned until they decide to escape. And then uh, it's just Alex and Scott left, and they decide, well, one blast from the two of us will destroy Cameron Hodge. And it does, and it blasts the the, the roof off the building, and all that's left is Cameron Hodge's head. And uh, Cyclops just, like, zaps it off the roof, and you think, oh, finally this is over. But wait, Cameron Hodge (laughs) is hanging on, on... off the edge, and he grabs onto Alex's neck, and he pulls all three of them down. Uh, With his tongue, like, by the way. Yep. <laughs> off the 60-foot, 60-floor uh, building, and Phoenix, uh, rather, Jean catches the uh, Summers brothers, so they're safe. But Wolves Bane picks up Cameron Hodge's head, and instead of, like, killing him, she decides to just throw it. <laughs> just like baseball. Yeah, enough with you! And just throws it. And Richter smashes some buildings on top of him, and we don't hear from Cameron Hodge again until uh, the Flanks Covenant. Thank goodness. Um, Meanwhile, the government uh, has uh, fixed things, I guess, and they're like, sorry about that. You guys can all leave. Except for Rain is like, nah, I'm I'm a bad... I'm I'm hurt now. I can't join you guys. So she stays. Uh, But she does give the ashes of Warlock to uh, Richter, and then they go to Doug Ramsey's grave. They pour the the ashes on the grave, and they hint that maybe he's not dead after all. The end. So, how was this one? You know, I think, all things considered, it's not badly written. Um, I think, I don't know how something like this generally works as far as I'm sure they got in a room at some point and hashed out outlines and they probably go off and do their separate things. I feel like whatever happened in chapter 7 that and then 8 was just its own thing and then chapter 9 Simonson did her best to try to make a decent conclusion with the odds stacked against her and I think it's okay um, Isn't it weird that she stacked the odds against her in the previous issue? <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Little, little Rosenberg eye just going on here. Not two very, one person writing books in very different ways. Um, but yeah, because I, I actually kind of like, like some of the interplay. Like, even though it's, there's a terrible, that terrible panel of Cyclops going, huh, and Wolverine having this pervy grin on his face. I actually kind of like some of the dialogue where Wolverine, like, they're both trying to say what's best for Gene, and Gene's like, screw you guys. Um, I think that was kind of a nice page art aside. Um, there's another page on, a, what is it, 23, after Wolverine kind of gets stabbed through the, the midsection of his body, and I thought that was a pretty nice Wolverine page, too, where you won't. He won't give up, um, you know. So there's some, there's some little moments. It's hard with the art, um, 
I also had a question. Um, so the bro power on page 24, where they like hold hands and combine forces. Yeah. Is that ever used again? Like, like I know maybe it tires them out or something. Probably not. Nothing you want to do all the time. But I feel like that's never been done again. Am I? Do y'all remember another time where? I don't remember anything like that. Yeah. It seems like something they'd pull out every now and then, maybe against Apocalypse or something. I don't know. I feel like I've seen it one okay. other time, but I, okay. I could be misremembering. Yeah. Well, readers, if y'all if y'all made it uh, two and a half hours into this episode and you remember a time where, oh, where, where bro power happens again, please uh, tweet at us and let us know. Um, and I will say, you know, the, the, the head thing is genuinely kind of creepy. So, so it's got a few things going for it. Um, the government trying to cover up what happened. So they they kind of win, but Genosha is still Genosha, so they kind of don't win. I like that part. Um, but then Havoc's going to stay and try to, like, be, like, an accountability for them. And, you know, I think this is kind of leading us towards what the next lineup of X-Factor is going to be. Right. Isn't Wolf's Bane in that early incarnation? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's some good ideas and some good points. It's not enough to save the story. But, I don't know, what, what were you guys on this last chapter? Um... Unfortunately, the story has got away from itself. So this last fight chapter kind of makes doesn't really make up for anything. It just sort of ends the story. Like I agree, there's it reminds me of a Bendis event where it's like sets up the next thing to happen um, in, the <laughs> la- in the last in the last few pages, um, which right. are more interesting than the rest of the book uh, conceptually. It does bug me that this is the first time I've noticed. Um, Storm has 20 on her head tattooed on her forehead because it's not been in the other ones or if it has it you know what I mean um, right. but the art is just it, it's hard to look at like it's um, it's a very each book is a very different style and depending on your taste will depend on which one you prefer but I do think this one just has too many harsh lines now and even the ink work which I used to like way back when it feels like forever ago um <laughs> like the the ink's really harsh and, and the apps drags it all down it's only a script can only do so much um gymnastics for me until i'm just like i am bored of looking at these pages right. yeah i mean this is just one giant fight from start to finish that is just like attack hard, she beats us. Attack hard, she beats us. Attack hard, she beats us. Oh wait, one shot, he's dead. We win, but not rain. Ah, oh, the end. The, the artwork, <laughs> really, that's how it feels. The artwork. I mean, you guys have gone on enough about it. I mean, we've probably spent more time on this artwork than the. I don't even want to say it. Like I don't want to be that mean. <laughs> It's, it's so you remember that first issue we were like hey this uncanny is pretty good this event might be nice i uh i the, yeah yeah so let's grade this and then let's do some overall thoughts um there's enough i like here i'm gonna give it three out of six but i feel like i'm being a little generous i feel like it i feel like it uh, two but only just a two like crawling to a two. 
Yeah, I, I give it a, a two, but it, it is the previous issue just bored me to death. This didn't bore me, but it was just so much action. It was like numbing. There was right. no. Just so I just saw John Wick three last night, and there's so much action in it that you just get numb to it, and it doesn't have any effect. And that's what this felt like. Just so much going on, I can't care anymore. I I get you. So. If you had to sum up this event and your feelings for the whole thing in three or four sentences, what what would you say, Georgie? Uh, nice start, good potential, uh, poor artwork, and just uh, awful second half. Okay. What about you, Dan? Um, a black hole of creativity with only one shining star. Which defines the world. Awesome. Okay. Um, I'm kind of more close to Georgie. I think a strong start. Um, some good ideas that don't quite pan out and really slog down by some some pretty bad art in a lot of it. Um, you know, it's funny because about halfway through, if you would have asked me, at that point, I would have said, oh, it's a pretty good event, just the art's kind of dragging it down. But then by the time you get to part seven, for sure, maybe even a little before, the story just it just starts falling apart, which is too bad. Because I think the premise that sets up, you know, is really interesting at the front. It just doesn't, it can't hold on. And who knows what all the reasons for that are, but whatever, this is what we got. And it just doesn't quite. It's, it's like you're in a really cool roller coaster and the safety bar's not on and you fall out to your death. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, um, I, I know we probably have a little bit more to say, but I, this is pretty long for an episode. So, um, unless you guys just have something really pressing, we'll go ahead and move into uh, plugs and where people can find you guys. Where can they find us, Dan? Um, you can find us at Excalibro one on Twitter, where we do most of our wheeling and dealing. Um, <laughs> you can just put Excalibro into Google, and you will find us um, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on everything apart from maybe SoundCloud. Um, so yes, you can you can find us by just using Excalibro. Easy peasy. And uh, next issue or next episode, we're likely covering. Uh, Generation Next, which is the Age of Apocalypse four-issue miniseries. Nice. Uh, Did y'all? Now, in the last episode, y'all hadn't decided what y'all are going to do. Are y'all going to do one episode just about that? I th- it's four issues, so yeah. I, I think that's all we can do. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, would, we would have done it this weekend, but yeah, this event. <laughs> destroyed. Oh no! I messed up your whole podcast. No, it's, no, no, it's no, totally that's, fine, what you, yeah. that's what you get for trying to cancel me, Dan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so awesome well yeah so definitely go listen to it Scalabros um, follow them on Twitter of course with the podcast that goes Snicked uh, like the Facebook page Twitter is at Snickcast um, retweets and shares always appreciated um, actually a little bit ahead so I don't know exactly where this is going to fall on the schedule so I don't know what's next but um, yeah either way there will be some more, more podcasting ahead and the Scalabros will be back on soon-ish to talk about the whatever's going on in Age of Meh. So, 
<laughs> you have that to look forward to. <laughs> so, so guys, thank you so much. I know this was a, a lot to to read and talk about, but I really love talking to you guys. So I'm glad y'all were able to make it work and come on. So thank you. That yeah, was great talking to you about it. It was just a pain for the eyes. Right. <laughs> it's always fun. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, everybody. And until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And snacked. <laughs>